born to die He might give eternal life That I might live Then rose again Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment. But first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. But see, God's already told us about the future. He's already told us that there's going to be the seven-year tribulation period. He told us it's going to be bad. So he says there in verse 26, men's hearts failing them. And look at the next few words. For fear, people being afraid because they don't know what's going to happen in the future. And they become worried. And look at this. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And the Bible talks about the earth will reel back and forth as a drunk man. Like the earth is going to be shaken upon its axis. And you can picture the earth wobbling as it goes in our circuit around us. So he says in verse 27. And then, and then, shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now the cloud, I don't think if you see the, the Lord coming back, you know, and he's out there, oh, about uh, oh, 20 light years away. I don't know how far they'll be able to detect him coming. But it says they'll see him coming before he ever gets here. And in the clouds of glory, uh, that could be the Shekinah glory. I don't know, but I don't think it's rain clouds. I mean, he's just coming by Mars. He's got a rain cloud over him. But the cloud could be the cloud of witnesses that he's bringing back. And when he comes back to the earth, he's riding a white horse. I'm on the one right behind him. Louis on the other one, and he's about a half mile back. Now, don't forget Angel. Now, he's riding the donkey. He's way back there, about two miles. He'll, he'll take him. He'll, he'll take him. But get this. In verse 28, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your eyes, for your redemption draweth nigh. In other words, Jesus is coming back to the earth. If he's coming back to the earth and the world is getting the stage set, and we go out before that, seven years before this. The rapture, I believe, must be close. But Dr. Hank Lindstrom, the pastor of this church before I got here for 42 years, taught it. He would even have the people stand up and practice their wings. In case when the rapture takes place, you're ready to go. So when's the last time y'all have practiced and rehearsed? You know, I was kind of concerned there for a while when I couldn't move my arm up. The rapture takes place and I just got one arm going and I just keep going in the circle. I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> oh, well. We'll move right along. 
You liked it, though, didn't you? Uh, yeah, she's still laughing. But anyway, now, verse 29 talks about when you see the fig tree. But it doesn't just say the fig tree, which many believe it is a reference toward the nation of Israel. But it's also mentioned in all the other trees. In other words, in the springtime, when you see the leaves starting to come forth on some, you know that it's summer's nigh. He said, when you see these signs starting to take place, you know it's close. Get ready. Be prepared. Here I come. Ready or not. You ever play that game? You can pose a hide. Hide and seek. And whoever poses a hide, they say, count to 100. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. Here I come. And I used to play that with Eddie and Trina and David. And I says, where are you? And Eddie would say, over here. Eddie, you're not supposed to tell me where you are. Well, you asked. And he was always told to obey his parents. I said, no, we're going to play, but don't answer. Don't tell me where you are. Here I come, ready or not. Here I come. Where are you? Over here. It didn't matter. He probably still would not play that game right even to this day. So this is what's going to happen. Now look in verse 34. Verse 34. Take heed to yourselves. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. In other words, so much worry, so much fret, so much intoxication with the problems of this world. Have you ever seen a man drink and then drink too much? It's a person who can see there's a problem. But when you see so many problems, some people have a mental breakdown. They can't handle it. Have you ever seen somebody say, that's the last straw, I can't take it anymore? You'd be surprised. But the whole world is going to be like this. In other words, he says it's going to be a snare that comes upon the whole earth. Remember when Jesus was here and they told Pilate, he says, let his blood be upon us and our children. And buddy, they got in their wish. For 2,000 years, they've been out of the land. They've finally gone back to the land, but they're back in unbelief. So God has used other nations as a rod to spank his children, the nation of Israel, his people. And then he's going to use the son who's coming with a rod in his hand to chasten the people that chastened his people. And so that's why there's going to be a battle of Armageddon. And so he makes a statement here. That day come upon you unawares. In other words, if you're looking and ready and you're prepared and you've seen the signs, you can know when it is. Now, for the rapture, there are no signs. When he comes at the end of the tribulation period, there's a lot of signs. He tells them about the sun and he tells them about the moon. He tells them about the Antichrist in the temple in Jerusalem. And when ye shall see, therefore, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, sent in the holy place, then ye that in Judea, flee. And I believe that's when they head to a place called Petra. Look what he says in verse 35. Is this going to be a tribulation that's going to take place in just a, a little local place upon the earth? One little country. For as a snare, this tribulation period, shall it come upon all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. It's going to be a global problem. I mean, the oceans, the rivers, there's things that are in them. He says, and they're going to die. The trees, green, going to be burnt. 
There's going to be a nuclear war. That's why in the book of Zechariah, chapter 14, verse 12, he says, And this shall be the plague, wherewith God will smite all nations who came against Jerusalem to battle. And God says, And while they stand upon their feet, their eyes will consume away in their holes, and their flesh will come off their bones. Now, what kind of a, a battle must they have had? Bows and arrows? And he says, and there's going to time coming down the road later. It, it will melt with fervent heat. A lot of noise, fervent heat, and the cracking apart of the elements. You've got yourself a nuclear war. But anyway, back here he makes a statement in verse 36. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. This is to the people during the tribulation period. And if they trust Christ as their Savior, when the seven-year tribulation period is over, then they'll be able to stand before the Son of Man because He's coming, and they'll be able to see Him coming. And then there'll be a judgment of the nations. Those individual believers from different nations who trust the Lord will get to go into the kingdom upon the earth. And Israel will believe on the Lord. That's why at the end of the tribulation period, there's a judgment of the nation. That's the Gentiles. God don't have to worry about the Jews because they will turn and trust the Lord. Because they will see him. And in the book of Romans in chapter 11, he, Israel will be saved as in a day. As a nation, they're going to believe on the Lord, their Messiah. Because the Gentile nations are going to do everything they can to annihilate the Jew. And if God does not intervene, no flesh would be left alive. So this is what is going to take place. And because that's going to take place, what kind of people should we be? I mean, if the Lord could come back to the earth and set up his kingdom in seven years from now, think of how close we must be to the coming of the Lord for us. Because he's going to come for us and take us out of here because he says, we are not appointed unto the day of wrath. He's going to deliver us from this period of time. And that's why he says, this is a day, and this is a day, thousand years, and the day in which we live, tribulation is called a night. you got a night that separates two days. We are children of the day. We're not of the night. So when Christ comes back, he comes back as a thief in the night. But anyway, that's a little Yankeeology. No extra charge for that. Look now in the book of Luke chapter 19. You're right there. Luke chapter 19. And look in verse 11. This is an interesting little illustration. About, and the main point, I always like to know, well, what's the point? Be ready. Be ready. So he says here in verse 11, And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable. Because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. They thought the kingdom was going to immediately appear. Ta da! Well, he had to give them a little lesson. There's going to be some time. And I'm going to give different people talents and abilities of certain values. You do what you can with what I've given you. And here we are. The same principle can hold true for us before the rapture. You see, God's children have been given talents and abilities, gifts, things that he wants us to do. And some people have more talent than others. 
Some people just have natural ability more than others. But God wants you to do what you can with what you have, why you can, whatever it may be. And the point is, you don't know how much time you have. So do what you can while you can. So he says in uh, verse 12, he gave him an illustration. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he's using a natural thing upon the earth of somebody who had some servants and he gave them responsibility and gave them so many pounds and so on. And then he could go and come back. Verse 13, he called his 10 servants, delivered them them 10 pounds, said unto them, and here's those words you need to underline, occupy till I come. Occupy till I come means you serve until I return. I'm giving you something, do something with it. So when I get back, I've got profit. I want to make something off of what you're doing. So understand, God wants to get something for his investment. See, God has left you and I here. He wants something in return. We're to serve him. There's going to be fruits of righteousness from our life that we give back to the Lord. Now get this. But his citizens hated him. He sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. God put you here. Gave you talent and abilities, air to breathe. Gave you a body, a mind. You can think, you can read, study, dedicate, whatever. But God one day is going to have us give an account to God. And look at the last part of that. He might know how much every man had gained by trading. So you're giving some time. You ought to be buying something with it. That's why he's talking about redeeming the time. Buying up our opportunities. And a lot of people are going to waste their life because they're going to misuse the talents that they had. Verse 16, then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained 10 pounds. He said unto him, well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a little, have thy authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. He said, and likewise to him, be thou over Five cities. In other words, what you may have in the future. When you get to heaven or when you get into the kingdom that God sets upon this earth. Your obedience now could determine your future later. What you're going to have. The position of service. Because God's going to reward you. But he's going to call every man to be given account. That's why you never have to worry about how much talent and ability somebody else has. You're not in a race against anybody. You're not going to be compared with anybody. It doesn't matter how bright they are or how dumb they are. You don't have to worry about what God gave to them. What did God give you? What can you do? God's going to bless you and reward you and use you based upon what you did for him. Now get this. So he says here in uh, verse 20, and another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. I saved it for you. He didn't invest it. He didn't put it in the bank. He didn't do anything with what he had. In other words, what did you do? 
I didn't do anything. He said, I was afraid. I was afraid that I might lose it. And I know that you don't like to lose anything, so I just played it safe. I didn't do anything. So the master was very happy, right? Not exactly. Do you think God's going to be pleased when you finally get to heaven and you say, Lord, I want to thank you so much for giving me my singing voice. I didn't use it for you, but I had it. And Lord, you let me live for 30 years after I trust the Lord. And I stayed out of trouble. I mean, I didn't do what I was supposed to do, but I didn't do all those bad things. I was better than so-and-so. I did just as much as blah, blah, blah. What did you do with what I gave you? I gave you all those opportunities. And you were afraid you're going to lose. That's how you lose, is being afraid. Because you're afraid to trust the Lord. You're afraid to invest your life in the things of God. So he says in verse 21, For I feared thee. I was afraid. Because thou art in a stern man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down. Reapest that thou didst not sow. He said unto them, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. You see, you may know Christ as Savior, but if you don't serve God, you're a wicked, wicked servant. You have talents and abilities and won't use them for the Lord, you're wicked. Because people are dependent upon your faithfulness and ability to do what you're supposed to do. What if that one man, 59 years ago, had not talked to me about my soul? Would it have made a difference? Look at the thousands and thousands and thousands of people. It would have made a difference in their life if that man had not reached me. And the thing is, he was disobedient for a while, and then he dedicated his life to the Lord, and I was the first person he led to Christ after he rededicated his life to the Lord. And then about 10 years later, he passed away. And I thought so many times, what if he'd have missed me? But then I think about what about the ones that I miss, that I could have changed a lot of stuff. And I want to challenge people to be found faithful, not only know the Lord, to serve the Lord because of it can make a difference. Now, I want you to see this. Look in verse 23. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank? Now, look at the next few words. You ought to underline those. That at my coming, I might have required thine own with interest, usury. At least if you'd have put it in the bank, I could have got something. Now, this is talking about an earthly man who wants some profit. And he has some servants. Didn't say they're all saved. Forget that. There's a point to the parable, the story. Now, Christ is supposed to be coming back one of these days. Can I learn anything from this story? Look what he says down here in verse 26. For I say unto you that unto everyone which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. In other words, what he had, he didn't use. So he had, so that was taken away from him. And what he could have done with the interest off of, if he had done no more than that, he lost that. He hath not, and going up there to verse 23, the interest off of it. So now look what he says in verse 27. And those my enemies, but those my enemies, with which or would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. So 
He's talking about, here's a man. He's a wealthy man. He's got stuff. And he, you know, ministered to them and left. And he said, I want you to do this. And he comes back. And some obeyed and some did not obey. And so he says, those that would not have me and did not want me to reign over them, slay them. Whenever you and I realize there is a principle here. There's a lot of God's children that do not want the Lord to reign over them. So now that you know Christ is your Savior, do you run from his authority? Run from the scriptures. you got your own life to live. Do whatever you want. And many people are afraid to step out by faith and trust the Lord and see what God has for them. I would venture to say that there's probably a little fear that a guy named... um, Jesse Martinez had when he was working at the bank and he had to quit a job and take a risk on working for the church, wondering whether or not, are they going to be able to pay me? What about, I got a wife, I got bills, I got responsibility. And little by little, by being faithful, now we're, he's overpaid. No, <laughs> but he probably had some problem. With a little fear. But see, courage is fear that says its prayers and goes ahead. And then down the road, if it works, what a man of faith. Now, if it doesn't work, what a fool. And so some people are afraid of the consequences. This is why in their next scripture there, 2 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, Because it's true, Jesus came back from the dead. This is the resurrection chapter. He ascended into heaven, and he's coming back again. And because that's true, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And this is why it's so important to remember that we don't have to be afraid, and we can rest in what God says, and it should make a difference in what God wants us to do. Let me give you one other scripture before we close here. Look there in the book of 2 Timothy and chapter 4. 2 Timothy Chapter 4. Now, generally, these are verses that you would read to somebody who wants to be ordained into the ministry, become a preacher, pastor, evangelist, missionary, whatever. Usually when they were ordained or get uh, ordination service. So he says here in verse 1 of the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, look in verse 1. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ... Now, when he says, I charge thee, uh, therefore, this must be here because of something that went there. And see, right before this, when he's talking about all scriptures given by inspiration of God. In other words, it's profitable for doctrine. It's for reproof. It's for correction, instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished, under all good works. So to get that result... Because the only thing that lies between verse 15, a child, and in verse 17, a man, is the word of God that lies in between. So that's why in verse 1, when he says, Therefore, who shall judge? Talking about Christ. Judge the quick, that's the living, the believers, and the dead, the lost, at his appearing for the believer, his kingdom for the lost. And that's why he says, Therefore, in verse 2, what does he tell them to do? Preach the word. 
Because preaching the word is how to get the results of verse 15, 16, and 17 to produce the man that you're supposed to be. And this is why all of this is so good and so important. Preach the word. Because it's supposed to affect the way people live. My goal is just preach the word. What you do with it is you're on your own. Now, I'll help you. I'll guide you in anything I can. I'll even rebuke you and I'll use the word. And I'll pound you over the head and I'll beat you on the toes and I'll make them bloody. And I'll make you mad at me and I'll make you not come back for three or four weeks in a row so that you finally heal a little bit and then you come back and get some more. A lot of my sermons are so good that some people only need them once a year. (laughs) And the last thing here, he says, that it will purify my life. And that's why he makes the statement in uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. My little abide in him that when he shall appear, we may not be ashamed before him at his coming. He's coming. It's all over the scriptures. And so you don't want to lose sight of that fact that one day it's going to happen. One day it's going to happen. And you may not have to be too old to make it. This is why looking for the Lord to come back causes you to do more than just, just sitting doing nothing. I'm getting older, but I want to do more than I've ever done in my life. I don't know how to slow down. I would feel guilty. If I, if I didn't go to church, I'd feel so guilty. If I didn't give, I'd feel so guilty. Why? Because I would be. I'd be guilty. Why? I'm doing something that I know it's wrong. And that bothers me. Do you want to serve the Lord for 90 years and then blow it the last few years? Oh, you're still going to heaven, but don't you think you ought to stay faithful until it's all over? Just keep churning. Just keep grinding it out. Keep trusting the Lord. Keep smiling. If you don't smile about some things, you're going to cry. And then the way you could just bawl the rest of your life. Because life is going to, it's not, it's not easy. It's, life's hard. Look up here. This is you and me. And the wallet represents sin. Now, we all have sin on us because all of us have sinned. It means we've all done things wrong. We're a bunch of bad boys and girls. But God loves us. He hates what we do wrong. But for us to pay for it is eternal separation from God. So God says he doesn't want us to go to hell. God wants us to be with him for all eternity. But you see, he's perfect. He's holy. Heaven is a perfect place. He can't let us there. Because if we went to heaven, there I go. Well, if I sin here, I'm going to sin there. So something has to be done. And I can't solve the problem. You see, I can't change the way I am. You can't change the way you are. You are born a sinner and you live a sinner. But God says that he loves us, wants us to go to heaven. But the wages of sin is death and we've all sinned and we're all condemned. So this hand represents Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin. Because our sin separates us from the Lord. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took our sins, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And the only thing he wanted us to do, believe he did it for us. So when I believe he did it for me, he puts that payment to my account and I'm going to heaven. Why am I going to heaven now? Because I've already paid for all my sins. Christ did it for me, but I get credit. And the reason that I can't go to hell in the future is because he paid for those too. I don't deserve that. I deserve to go to hell, but I'm going to go to heaven because he paid for my sins. That's the best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not right now in the quietness of this moment just talk to the Lord? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. 
I believe Christ died, paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust him as my only hope of going to heaven. If you have, and you probably already have trusted Christ, then understand the value of looking for the Lord because it should help us to pray better, to work better, to witness better, and to purify our lives. Those are things that we can do while we're waiting on the Lord. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.